Everybody agree with that said? You may be seated. You may be seated um, today. Um, I um, recognize that we are, as believers, uh, in a different landscape. Um, There was a time when you met people in America where there would be this sense that they understood the faith. They understood Christianity. They understood at least the gospel <laughs> or had some familiarity with at least the liturgy or ordinances of the church. And, 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 and there was a time when people had a praying grandmother or, or whoever that was a nudger for them to make sure that they move towards Christ and closer to Christ or come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ or that there was a familiarity where every single person that you knew of, even if they weren't a believer, went to gather with the saints before. But, but we're in what's called a post-Christian era. And when I say post-Christian era, they're, 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 the, 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 the overarching philosophy that influences the culture from the center is no longer the church. Um, the church isn't the center of the community, and it, it is not in the particular place um, where it used to be, which I think it's good, that's another sermon, that we're not. Um, 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 I, I, I'll talk about that at some point. Um, but, but what's happening is, is we're in an era where not everybody uh, uh, recognizes and even identifies with the faith. And so what happens in that sphere and what happens in that time is that uh, people are going to be socialized and coming up where they didn't have a praying grandmother, where they didn't have any reflective uh, memories of going to vacation Bible school or, or going to Sunday school or being dragged to church uh, by some churchgoer in their house. They never tasted Baptist punch. Amen. Um, they, they, they don't remember. But if you taste it, boy, Lord Jesus, is a cacao ministry for you. But, um, but uh, uh, it's the best thing um, since sliced bread in Jesus' name. But... But, 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 the, but nowadays, we, we're, we're with people that have options. We're in an option society, and, and what has happened is, is because the culture no longer takes Christianity seriously, Christians don't. There's almost, there's almost an embarrassment. Um, with, that's why many of us don't share Jesus, because we're embarrassed, um, ashamed of Jesus and his church and and, 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 and what's happening is, is, is when we come in the gatherings, you got, you got a hyper-individualism in our culture. <clears throat> when I say individualism, people think they can do everything by themselves. You know what I'm saying? Because, because you, there's no app for church. You can podcast all you want. That ain't church. Help me today, God. <clears throat> church is the physical gathering of the people of God in a localized place. Whether the building has a steeple or not, who cares? Are there authentically transformed people who have been brought from spiritual depth to spiritual life, and they want to gather together to go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity, go out into the world and proclaim the gospel to a lost world to see them come from spiritual depth to spiritual life? (laughs) But this individualism has caused us not to take many things seriously anymore, and we almost take gathering with the saints as a lightweight piece. And so Paul, in, 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 this, in this context, is challenging the believers for taking gatherings not seriously. Um, they, they, they had gotten to a point in Corinth where they had, it was chaos to come to their church gatherings. I mean, chaos. 
And you, and you, you see from everywhere from chapter 11 to chapter 14, he spends a major chunk of time talking about what should go on in a church gathering to help it to be rooted in what Christ wants it to be rooted in uh, so that the believers may be edified and those who don't know Jesus may be evangelized. Every gathering of the saints should have two coins to it. It should have edification and it should have evangelism. But both in their coin should go under one umbrella and in one wallet, and that's the exaltation of God. There should be edification, there should be evangelism, and there should be exaltation. That means in the gathering, nobody else should be exalted except Jesus. And so we come to this passage where people are exalting their places in life. <laughs> They're exalting who they are versus whose they are. <laughs> I wish I could park there for five minutes, but we got to get in this text because this, this, this is going to help us to really recognize whether or not you recognize that there's something that happens when God's people come together. And, 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 so, and so in order to talk about this idea of taking the gathering seriously, first point, but not only one today. Church gatherings are meant to spiritually form Christians. Church gatherings are meant to spiritually form. Somebody say form. <laughs> form. This is very, very important for us to recognize is that there's a formation that needs to take place. Look at verse 17. He says, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you. Stop right there. <laughs> uh, the, the word commend means praise. Oh, big up. I, I like that. Let me just be honest about it. Because most people want to gather with the saints or receive information that makes them feel good. But Paul goes jam up ministry on the church. In other words, he's beginning to tell them how messed up they are in this particular area of your life. Now, what's good about being a Christian is you don't just get to hear the bad news of how messed up you are. You get to hear the good news of how Christ transforms it. But most of us like preaching and people around us that affirm our mess, not challenge our mess. Oh, help me today, God. In other, in other words, if, if I'm just telling you right now, if I hear this one more time, I'm going to get a baseball bat the size of, 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 of Lincoln Field and hit the moon. If one more person says, don't judge me, I, that, that, in other words, don't judge me is the premise that people don't believe nobody can challenge them on anything. In other words, just let me be a mess as long as I'm going to be a mess and don't let me or help me deal with my mess. But I don't, but then, then this, this is the other premise of it. Only God can judge me. Now that's scary because, because you, do you really want God to judge you? Do, I mean, do you really want to stand before God and say, hey, judge me? I ain't want them to judge me. I want you to judge me. You stand before a holy God with your old crazy self, something about you want. Man, listen, I want to be judged now so I ain't got to be judged later. Listen, jam me up. Tell me about myself. Tell me my breath stink. You know, tell me I'm a mess. Tell me I, 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 my mouth wrong. Tell me so God can work on me now. You, you know, you know, I, 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 listen, listen, I want to be all God wants me to be, and that means I want to hear every word God has for me. And you need to be in a place where you can have somebody say, I'm not going to praise you right now. Right, right. I'm not going to big you up right now. You know, it's like my wife, 
<laughs> Every husband will know what I'm talking about. Honey, we need to talk. <laughs> now, you know when you hear that, you know, you know, men, everything in you, it's just like you got hit in the kidney blow. Yeah! you just like, everything in you just collapses because you, your, your wife, you know, she, she know how to bring stuff up. And my wife be like, don't get like that. I don't like it when you get like that because it make me think I can't talk to you and you can't hear nothing from me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? <laughs> she get her sister girl on even while she's pregnant. It get even crazier when she's pregnant. She, I don't even I know how to do the stand. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I love it. Not, and guess what she's going to say after the gathering? Honey, we need to talk. <laughs> um, but I've learned, one more of my growth, I'm getting, I'm getting to the place <clears throat> where I can hear that and press in because I know those honeys I need to talk is going to help us grow in our marriage. See, you need to have that same disposition as a believer when somebody ain't going to praise you and they're not going to massage your mess and spray cologne on your stench. <coughs> Paul, Paul loves the church enough to tell it about its triflingness redemptively. All right? It's, 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 it's so, and, so, and so one of the things about doing that and doing that and becoming a, a believing community and growing in a believing community is the challenge of the lack of commendation that leads to edification and ultimately God's glorification through our sanctification. Amen, somebody. Amen. Now he says something interesting <laughs> next, that when I read it the first time, I, I, I was in a place where <coughs> it's almost like the Holy Spirit had it jump out at me. Almost like it, it literally jumped out at me because I would usually read past it. But what was unique to me is that this idea that, or phrase that Paul uses here, he says it three times. And, and, and anybody know anything about hermeneutics or the study of Scripture? When, where there's repetition, there's emphasis. Okay, and, 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 so, and so what Paul says next, what Paul says next is, is something interesting. After he talks about the lack of commendation of them, he says, because when you gather together, I like that. Look what he says in verse 18, when you gather together as a church, verse 20, when you gather together. I, I, I like this, <laughs> because there's an emphasis here for us to recognize. He didn't say if you gathered. If you maybe feel like it every now and then, there, there is almost an, 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 an inferential imperatival force of the fact where he's saying, when y'all come together, in other words, saints should be gathering together. Uh, uh, that, that, that means that gathering with God's people isn't an option for you. Your relationship, now some of y'all going to look at me crazy, but show me in the Bible where otherwise, um, your relationship in your spiritual growth, I'm not talking about your salvation, but in your spiritual growth, you, just you and Christ alone are not enough to grow you spiritually. Amen. He set it up for you to believe in him alone for salvation and for growth, but he also didn't just call you into a relationship with him. He called you in a relationship with the church. <laughs> and so that means that, 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 that means that Jesus said, I am the door to the sheepfold. 
The sheepfold is the group of people that he stands at the cusp in the front of that when you trust him, he moves aside and lets you go in and he stands in front of the door while you are in glorious community with the people of God so that you can develop in every single area of your life. That means all of us coming to the sheepfold messy. If you've ever been in a sheepfold or ever seen one, go to the zoo and go to the children's part where they be petting the, the goats and everything. You know what I'm saying? It stink like a mug up in that joint. That's a sheepfold. It always stinks in a sheepfold, but what I like about being in a sheepfold is there's a shepherd. Oh, somebody should have shouted right there. In, in the midst of all of that mess, the shepherd is in the midst of the mess, working with the sheep while they're together. Help me today. And, 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 so, and so he said, he says, when you gather, there's an emphasis on him saying there is going to be a point in time where you gather with the same. It's something in the Bible. I don't know why Jesus says it, but he says, if two or three are gathered in my name, there ego I me. I am in the midst, meaning I am points back to um, him being the great I am. And so I am is in the midst when we get together. Oh, somebody going to get that on the way home. Whenever the church gets together and gathers with Christ at the center, ego I me, here I am, I am is in the midst. That means there's a, the official nature of the presence of God that's different than when you're alone. <coughs> Some of y'all think bedside Baptist and pillow Pentecostal going to help you. Help me today. Uh-huh. Uh, but, 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 but you need to be in a physical, and this is just inferentially what he's telling us, that there's an expectation for us to come together, and there's a win with it, not an if with it. And so, and so, and so my prayer for us is that we begin to take seriously that there's, I don't, I don't know about you, but when I don't gather with the saints for a while, something's just off. You ever had a season where you weren't gathering with the saints, and, and you know, you, you read your Bible, you prayed, but there was something missing. And, and, and when you got, and that, that's, that's why David talks about he coming to his course with thanksgiving, his course with praise. Why? Because, because he was excited about being around God's people and hearing the testimonies of God redeeming folks' brokenness, people getting healed, people getting set free, people getting saved, people getting transformed, God providing for people. That helps you where you are. Because he says, when you gather, what are some things that we can get from gathering together? Your salvation and election is made sure. <laughs> Don't look at me funny. It's in the Bible. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 12, make your calling election sure. Right after he tells them to have brotherly kindness, that means get with each other. Your, salv your salvific vision gets foggy when you're not around people that are saved. I wish I had time to just exegetically flesh that out. Just, just, and when you spend time not around God's official Holy Ghost presence with the church, your view of your salvific relationship with God can become unclear. When I, I, I love it when I share the gospel with somebody and they tell me they're already saved and I ask, where do they gather with the saints? But they say, it's been a while. And they begin to tell me, I haven't met one person that I've shared the gospel with that told me they haven't been gathering with the saints how broken their voice is and feel because of their absence from being a part of the body. I, I got to keep moving because I got too much to cover today. He, he says, your f and next is, your faith is strengthened. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. 
When somebody said, I can hear the word Christ, he said, how are you here without a preacher? That means preaching is going forth. Romans 10. But not only to receive, but to give. Because the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4, employ your gifts in serving one another. <clears throat> so that means that when we gather as the saints, it's powerful. As we take gathering seriously, we go further in this passage. It shows me that in employing our gifts in serving one another means we don't come to just receive, but we come to give. Amen. <clears throat> that, means that means you, something in your soul grows. Something in your soul feels a sense of belonging. Something, something happens in you when you don't just come as a recipient only, but you come as a giver. And that's extremely important in serving other people. To exalt, next one, exalt Christ together. Um, to love one another. Um, and to be identified with the church. To sacrificially give. I can keep going with so many of these. But Paul, said, Paul says, when you gather, it is not for the better, but for the worse. This is powerful. <laughs> because because <laughs> basically Paul says, Paul says, uh, the, the word harming, uh, uh, worse, worse means to harm of something or something of inferior quality. In other words, people were being weakened in their gatherings and not strengthened. And what was happening in Corinth is people were coming to the gatherings, and we'll see later how the poor was being treated and people who weren't of big status is being treated. I'm going to talk about that next week. But they weren't being edified. The purpose of coming together is so that one another can be built up. Now, strengthen here doesn't mean you come in strong. Okay, in other words, God doesn't call any of us to be strong. Now, what do I mean by that? He doesn't call us to be strong in our own strength. A strong person needs to be broken. So when you recognize biblically what we're called to be, we're called to be weak so that he can make us strong. So in gatherings, what's supposed to happen is, is something supposed to die. <laughs> in order to be strengthened, something has to die. Let, 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 let me just, okay, let me see if I can make it plain. Nobody in Tanakh, the Old Testament, fell in areas of weakness. Nobody. Not one person. The, the, the big falls of Old Testament patriarchs, they fell in their areas of greatest strength. Uh, let me see if I can make it. Uh, 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 the, the, the Bible says, the Bible says uh, Moses was one of the most humble men on the planet. But God told him to sh to, to do what? Speak to the rock. He struck the rock, wasn't able to go into the promised land. He became prideful. David was a man of great integrity. Where did he fall? In the area of integrity. Abraham was a man of faith. But when he went into a place, he lied instead of having faith that God... Ed, listen, you never fall in your weak places. You always fall in your strong places. Because your... Listen. Because your strong places are place where you lose dependence on Christ in. Not realizing, listen, not realizing that the one who made you strong is the one who you need to be weak in to continue to keep you strong. <laughs> and so when we come to gatherings, I, I, we need to come in here, God, what, you, what do you need to kill in my crazy self today? Kill, kill something today, God. Somebody should say, I received that right now. You need to, listen, I'm just telling you right now, something needs to die every time you gather with the saints. And listen, don't fear the death. Because we, we fellowship with sufferings and his resurrection. So the very area where God kills you is the same area where he raises you. Oh, you, you missed your shouting moment right there. 
And so, and so we get together and it being for the better and not for the worst, it's for us to say, God, wreck me today. <laughs> I, 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 I want when I gather with the saints, something from my life that's a mess to disappear. Paul is getting them trying to take the gathering seriously. He said, you don't get together for the strengthening of one another. You get together for your own ends. Just for you. He, he, he wants it to be communal and powerful for the people of God to be strengthened and to be taken. He said, for in the first place, he said, when you come together, he said, as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And then he said, I believe it in part. That's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, you know, Paul, Paul saying this because he know them, right? He know how they are. He said, I believe it's division there because I know how y'all are. It's just like <laughs> somebody snitch on my son, one of my sons, and they come to me and say they didn't do it. But it's something that I know that he's done before over and over and over again. And he come to me, Daddy, I didn't do it. And I'd be like looking at him like, but that sounds just like something you be doing, though. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and, and when Paul, Paul, if somebody in the Corinthian church is like an apostolic informant, like, they going snitch ministry, like I'm writing Paul letters. He said, man, they tripping up in here, Paul. Let me just tell you how they tripping. They wilding out like I'm a, here, take this letter to Paul and tell him what's going on. <laughs> and then Paul, Paul, see, Paul wasn't just a prophet. He was an investigator. You know what I'm saying? Some prophets call themselves a prophet, but they're really an investigator. Just say an investigator. Don't say you got the gift. Anyway, that's for free. Um, but, but, then, but then he said, I hear that there's divisions among you, and I believe it. Why? Because chapter 1 said he told them that there were divisions among them. Remember that? And so, and so the division, the word for division here is schismao, where we get our word schisms from. It's, it's literally people within the body of Christ that was, um, that, that was causing fractures to the gatherings. In other words, they were causing fractures against the body in a way that wouldn't allow the exaltation of Christ to be primary. See, let me tell you something. Uh, help me today. Listen, um, this, this idea of schismao means dissension. It means to divide and create conflict. It, the Bible says there's six things that's an abomination in Proverbs 6 and seven that are an abomination. That I, that I, six things I hate, seven that's an abomination. One of them is division. Uh, uh, Romans, Romans chapter 16, verse 17 and 18 talks about division. Uh, Titus chapter 3, verses um, 8 through 10 talks about division. And it's the only uh, sin in the church after you've warned a person three times that they can be permanently removed from a local church is because division works against the unifying work of the Trinity in the body. And see, divisive people are concerned about themselves. Look at what Paul says next, which is my next and last point. I'm going to get out your way. Listen to what he says. My next point is crisis, church crisis exposes who the serious and authentic are. <laughs> church crisis. Now I'm going to just tell you something. You ever read the Bible? You ever read, you ever read help me today, God, before I speak in tongues publicly. Um, help me. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is crazy. Because... I, I, I've read, you know how you read the Bible and then you're like, where did this verse come from? That's, that, that, I, I was looking at this verse and I was like, now where did you come from, right? Um, but it says, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. 
this, 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 this is a powerful verse. This is a powerful verse. Now, this, the first phrase within the idiom of the sentence is sovereignty language. Now, what do I mean by sovereignty? God is in control of everything. God is the ultimate recycler of everything. So there's nothing that happens without his permission or his usage. Oh, somebody got help right there. There's nothing that happens that God doesn't use in your life. Help me today, God. There's no brokenness that you went through that God doesn't use. There's no pain that you... There's, oh, help me today. Anyway, I'm a preacher to myself. Um, preach, pastor. Um, he says, you mu-, he said, for there must. It's almost if <coughs> there's a sovereign moment by which mess happens in every church. And every church is going to go through a major challenge. And that major challenge, help me today, God, is a test for the church. What is the test for? It says there must be factions. The word here for factions is the word heretikos, where we get our word heresy from. Now, most of my theologians and historical theology uh, folk, you think of heresy as false doctrine. Um, or, 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 a, or a deterrence or movement away from sound doctrine. In the Bible, heresy is not doctrine, it's people. So being a heretic is if you make the church about you and not Jesus. <laughs> that means a heretic is a person that's trying to draw people to them. And the only way to be affirmed as being authentically Christian and sound is if you follow them, not Jesus. Yeah. Now, they won't say that, though. They, they won't, see, they won't say that because, see, they, they're, they're smooth enough. Help me. They're smooth enough to make it seem like it's about Christ, but it's about Christ from them. So, so, what, they, so what they do is they become a secondary mediator between you and Jesus. If people demand that you come to them to get the Christ, they become a heretic. In other, and to be in a relationship with me is to be right with the church. Help me today, God. I'm looking at the book. I ain't making nothing up. The text is saying there must be factions among you. So he said heretics are people that draw you after. That's why Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 said we don't preach ourselves. We preach Christ and him crucified. All right. And so it's powerful as he begins talking about the challenges of this. And he says, listen, he said, there must be factions among you. In other words, every church must have something hard happen to it to expose who are the heretics. That's why when a church goes through a hard time, you shouldn't run. Um, 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 because God is sovereignly settling down on that church to clean some things up. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk back to me today. Um, um, and, 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 and what did he say? He said, he said there, must be, there must be heretics among you. There must be factions among you. Why, God, are you letting us go through this? Why, God, is all hell breaking loose? Why, God, is right here in the text. In order that purpose clause, it's probably a hati clause, and it says, in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. Wow. <laughs> so people who can ride through a storm know him. 
or are authentically about Jesus above their own agenda. <laughs> see, see, God is, God is building a family. He's not building a fan base. God, God, God trying to, God, like God's trying to move the church in a direction. God ain't, God ain't about, it ain't about you, dog. And, and, and God, and God, God sovereignly assigns storms. Ask Jonah. Ask Jonah. The Bible, the Bible says that the, if you look at it, it says, and the Lord hurled a storm. That's what it said. Go look back at it. In the Hebrew, it literally, it literally points to the fact that God blew in his hand, stood up and threw a storm at Jonah. Listen, listen, listen. Every, everything that happens in your life that hurts ain't the devil. See, you missed that. See, some of y'all missed that. See, everything at the devil. See, sometimes, see, sometimes, see, sometimes the message you're going through is God hurling the storm at you to expose you. I rebuke the devil. God's like, I can't, I ain't the devil. God, God, God is the unrebukable, determined one to make you look like Jesus. And what's powerful about being in Christ is that he is so committed to us being like Jesus Christ that he will do whatever it takes, even if it means your tears, even if it means your frustration, even if it means you question him, even if it means you're, you're it, he will do, he loves you enough to let you, see, let me tell you something. God doesn't spoil his kids. Help me today, God. God. God doesn't give you what you want all the time. Because some of us grow through a no. If I could just apply this real quick. Um, see, 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 if you, if you give a child everything the child wants, you handicap their spiritual muscles. So, 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 so sometimes you got you to gotta go like this to the child every now and then to go, hold on, you're gonna give, I'm not going to give you anything. I gave you enough. Work with what you got and go for it. It's like my son. When we go into the store, he got his money. He got his $2. See what I'm saying? But then he wanted to go in there and use my money. Like, Daddy, you got a 10. I'm like, hold on, bro. You don't get to sovereignly act over my money. I gave you what you're going to get. You better get what's in the realm of $2. Because, because I'm going to just tell you, if I keep letting him spend my money and not spend his money, he won't learn how to manage money when he ain't in my house. So I love him enough to make him stick with what I gave him so that he won't become a spiritual brat. God, God, listen, God ain't raising no brats, y'all. That's why this series called It's Time to Grow Up. He, he ain't raising no brats. He, it, 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 he's not raising brats. And so, <laughs> in closing, as God builds a family, and as God does this, and he brings, he, he, I mean, he, he allows brokenness to happen in the church and division to happen so that those who are authentically about God's mission are shown because he wants to build a family. And, 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 and this is what's beautiful about, uh, um, uh, you know, family. Family, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, you ever been to a family reunion, you know, 
I, I, I love going to family reunions. You get some of the food you ain't got in a while. You get some of that Nana pudding. Good God Almighty. Oh, I feel, I, I feel it right here, right now. I feel a sense of something right now. Um, you, you get all kinds of pies, and you get all kinds of chicken, and hallelujah, pound cake, and whoo, seven-up cake in Jesus' name. All kinds of different types of things that you don't get. Potato salad, baked beans. Woo! Them, them, them gatherings, you, you, them gatherings, the vegetables just left on the table with them joints. <laughs> um, <laughs> but as, as, as long as you've been by yourself as a member of the family, you go to the family reunion, it's just something about going to a family reunion. I know at a black family reunion, you know, we got loud music. You know what I'm saying? We got, we got the family T-shirts with the family name. Y'all don't know. See? Um, you got the family T-shirts. You know what I'm saying? People cooking. People coming up to you. Like, you don't know who they are. You know what I'm saying? This your cousin this and this your cousin. And because, because they're part of the family, you're just like, okay, how you doing, cuz? You know, and some of y'all single for this. like, who that over there, man? That's your, come here. That's your cousin, right? That's your cousin, right? <coughs> but, but, but when you're together with, 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 with the family at the family reunion, it, you know, you got that crazy, it is one crazy uncle. Crazy uncle, he drunk, he, doing, he keep going to the car, and he got the red cup. Jing-a-ling-a-ling at the thing, right? And so he got it, and he going to sip it off. He crazy, acting a fool, but he's a part of the family. And it's something about a family reunion that gives you a sense of identity and belonging that you just can't get alone. And that's the church. The church is a gathering of the family reunion not to celebrate the name on our shirts, but the one who bought us with a price. And we gather to celebrate the goodness of Christ. And when we come together, it's messy. We got all kinds of crazy uncles and aunts in here. I'm one of them that need Jesus every chance I get. And so my prayer is, is that we would take every component of our gathering seriously. And we would take the fact that we're not just coming to church as a building. We're coming to be the church with a group of people who make us the church because of our connection to Christ and one another. So I pray today that that will be a part of our transformation and continued commitment to be committed to gathering. And there's nothing like seeing a life group. It's nothing like seeing a life group in clothes, and it's nothing like seeing a life group come alongside of somebody and, and love on them through, through a crisis and, and love on them and get resources for them and help them. Uh, you know, went to, went to the hospital the other day to see uh, Brother Frank. He was in the hospital last week, and they said 100 people went to see him. 100. 100 people. 100 people. And the people asked, was he a star? <laughs> and, 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 and the answer was, no, he's, he's just loved by God and loved by the church. That's what family does. And so, and so I pray that we would take every aspect of being the church and being family seriously. Amen? Amen. 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 Father, we thank you. We honor you.